0: Hello, Bulls fans, and welcome to another episode of Bulls HQ, a Chicago Bulls podcast on the Blue Wire Podcast Network. Thanks again for joining me this week. I didn't expect to be coming at you guys again so soon in the week, but as big landmark trades happen in the NBA landscape, I suppose it draws us podcasts out of the woodwork, and here we are recording another show. And I am putting in the overtime, as is my guest today, Morton Jensen, who on his podcast who has already covered the Anthony Davis deal or the Anthony Davis trade itself. Not to mention, he's probably writing a million pieces on the on on the on the trade itself too. But more thanks for jumping on, man.
1: Well, thank you for having me. And you're absolutely right. I uh, already recorded a podcast and wrote a piece for Forbes, so <laughs> it was exactly a, and it's it four was a busy thirty
0: a.m. your time. So th- I really do appreciate you coming on here on onto Bulls HQ to talk about this, which is kind of odd because it's not necessarily a trade that the Bulls have been involved in. Obviously, this is a Chicago Bulls podcast. Whilst it's always fun talking NBA generally, this trade itself doesn't have direct ramifications for the Chicago Bulls, but perhaps in an indirect way, be it, um, you know, maybe there may be another deal that could happen in itself or are coming up here in the draft. I think there are still some permutations that sort of make sense for the Bulls themselves, which I want to talk to you about today. But for the listeners. I'm sure they've heard about what the Anthony Davis trade contains, but maybe you can fill them in on their, on the
1: particulars here. Yeah. So, obviously, Davis to LA. Uh, it needs to be said right off the top that the, the framework of the deal is still being worked on. Um, odds are that this trade won't be entirely official until the end of July. So, <laughs> uh, it, it's going to take a minute because there are a lot of particulars that need to happen. Uh, for example, if the Lakers want to add a third guy, which, you know, presumably a max guy, they'll need to have the money available. Uh, yeah, so, so you're, the-
0: you're specifically talking for cap reasons here.
1: Yeah, exactly. Yeah. And they, they actually need to then sign the guy first, like the third guy, and then complete the trade afterwards because then they have to act like a team over the cap. And that means that they have to sign the actual player that they draft with the number fourth pick because his salary matching is necessary and you can't trade a recently signed draft pick within 30 days, meaning that that uh, trade is going to be happening later. Now, for the particulars, the Lakers sent off the number fourth pick in next week's draft, Lonzo Ball, Brandon Ingram, Josh Hart, and it's said in the Voge's report, two additional uh, first-round draft picks. That one is is a little bit more intriguing because there might be more to it, Ramona Shelburne and Mark Stein both came out and said, "Well, it's it's actually more than that. The the Pelicans more or less control draft picks from the Lakers over the next five to seven years, and that's due to pick swaps." So Kevin O'Connor from the Ringer uh, said, and I, I'm just going to read this out loud: "The uh, the New Orleans uh, outside of the number four selection uh, in the 19, 2019 draft." Since it receives a protected first in 2021, an unprotected first in 2024, and the Pelicans will also have the right to swap first in 2023. That's a major haul right there, but it might actually increase to another pick swap going in the favor of the Pelicans. So that's obviously a huge trade and a major haul for for the Pelicans uh, for Anthony Davis.
0: Yeah, it's huge. It's huge. It's. I mean, it changes the NBA for for a number of reasons. Obviously, for obviously Davis goes to LA to join LeBron. The Pelicans themselves—they're a rebuilding team now, I suppose. But uh, obviously, they they landed the number one pick. They will be picking Zion Williamson, which again changes the NBA landscape too. Mm. Uh, Not to mention the injuries that we sort of saw in the NBA Finals as well. So basically, in the span of a week, the whole landscape of the NBA NBA has changed. Not just for today, but also for the tomorrow. And I think for the tomorrow, the Pelicans are maybe that team now, given that they've brought in or they will be bringing in Zion Williamson. They're bringing in Lonzo Ball, Brandon Ingram, Josh Hart, and three first-round picks at least, that of which includes the number four overall pick, which is where this sort of gets sort of interesting for the Chicago Bulls because the other day I was on here with uh, Ricky O'Donnell and Jason Pat talking about... The Bulls probably are potentially getting involved in this Lakers trade with Davis. You know, potentially sending Levine to to the New Orleans Pelicans for number four, and maybe Lonzo Ball to to the Bulls for in exchange for number seven. Now, obviously, we know that that trade won't be happening as part of a three-way trade, but I guess it's still theoretically in play that the Bulls may be able to get involved in this somehow. Obviously, they still have that reported interest in Lonzo Ball, Lonzo Ball himself. And I'm not sure LeVar has sort of been out speaking today. I'm not sure if uh, Lonzo really loves the the idea of playing in, in New Orleans, even though he probably should. Uh, playing next to Zion should be a, a damn exciting thing for any young player to want wanting to be involved with. But I, I, for me, at least, I don't think the conversation that Ricky and Jason and, and I had sort of the other day is kind of dead because it's still kind of a fluid sort of thing where – based on what Woj is saying, that the Pelicans are sort of now shopping that number of, number four pick in this upcoming draft in a number of days. So it's going to be interesting to see, one, if they do trade that pick, and two, if they do trade that pick, who are they trading it to and for what? And I'm just sort of sitting here wondering, is there a plan here where the Bulls could pay, uh, potentially still get involved in this? Obviously, the, the, the trade itself will look a lot differently now, and they may have to get a third team involved to – maybe work through those sort of the speculative thoughts that we were all rambling about on last week's just general bulls Twitter sphere, But I kind of still think this sort of sort of may be in play.
1: Yeah. I mean, it, it probably is. I don't think necessarily the, the Pelicans are actively shopping number four. I think they're just taking calls because that's an attractive yeah. piece to be in this draft if you like Jared Culver. And I imagine that smart teams will like Jared Culver, uh, who is the presumable, Fourth pick because right now it seems somewhat locked in. And at one, two, three, it's going to go Scion, Morant, and Barrett. Uh, that that at least seems to me that to be the general consensus. Yep. Culver is—I don't want to say he's he's locked in as the fourth guy, but I think he's very close to. And I think a lot of teams like his versatility, especially his defense and his playmaking. So if there's a rush on him, yeah, I mean several teams would be involved. For my money, I'm not sure you can find a deal that makes sense for the Bulls specifically, unless it's you know seven and assets moving up for four. Uh, the entire thing of Levine plus seven for four and Lonzo, yeah, I, I get where, where the Bulls would be going with that, but that to me just seems like uh, ultimately a team that's going to have a very hard time putting the ball in the basket, which is Kind of a necessity uh, to yeah. win a basketball game. I mean, yeah, um, I, I, I completely agree. I mean, uh, uh, as as I said on the previous pod,
0: the idea sort of sort of makes sense to me. The fact that you sort of have these you know six 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 seven sort of athletes at every position or or taller guys that can pass, guys that can defend, can be play two way players, but ultimately there's not really that uh, dribble penetration from the perimeter, a guy that can sort of be that on ball threat that you need. Particularly in half court isolation, which, as we've seen in the in, in the uh, in the finals, is obviously uh, super critical. But yeah, I, I didn't love the the idea of it the, of the trade itself. But technically, I, I suppose it's still live. But even if that trade itself isn't, uh, it, you know, maybe Levine to to the Pelicans isn't necessarily something there. Uh, entertaining anymore because they now have Alonzo. They've got uh, Brandon Ingram. They've got Josh Hart. They've still got Drew Holiday who can play shooting guard too. So maybe that Le- the concept of Levine in-, in New Orleans doesn't necessarily make sense. But I guess where this, decides- this still does have ram- ramifications for the Bulls is, to your earlier point, that the Pelicans are kind of in the driver's seat now with what will happen in the draft. We know who's going to go 1, 2, and 3, or we presume to know who's going to go 1, 2, and 3, but they're pretty much going to sit, they're sitting here with the power uh, um, in terms of manipulating the draft. They've got pretty much the ownership of the draft at this point where they can sort of sit back and just take these offers from all these other teams and essentially auction off number four for the best available price that they can get, or they could take that pick to the draft and make that pick themselves. And I guess where this sort of changes is the fact that a lot of people had The Lakers taking Darius Garland at number four, assuming they made the pick. Obviously, they're not making that pick now. But with the Pelicans, they've got Drew Holiday. They've got Lonzo Ball at number four. Are they really interested in someone like Darius Garland or Kobe White, for example? Maybe they're interested in a wing like Jared Colbert, as you mentioned, and that in itself may reshape the draft for the Bulls. So that's why I'm saying this this trade has sort of those indirect ramifications for the Chicago Bulls.
1: Yeah. No, I agree. Because if if let's assume for a minute that the two rumored uh promises were were actually correct. You know, that the Lakers had promised Garland and the Phoenix Suns had promised Kobe White. Now the the Phoenix Suns promise would still, you know, be relevant because they haven't moved their draft pick, but that promise to Garland from the Lakers perspective is now gone. That yeah, frees exactly. him up. So that depends what. So basically, the, the team that actually decides the rest of the draft from that point is uh, Cleveland at five. Whoever they take, yeah, if they yeah. they could take Garland there, or they could swing for DeAndre Hunter. You know, there are a lot of options there. But if they pass on Garland, then it becomes really interesting at six because then you're sitting there, with Phoenix, going if you're a phoenix you're thinking uh oh do we keep our our draft promise to kobe white or do we go for garland who we might like better um either way that would lead to one of garland or white to fall into 7 which would be intriguing i mean that the bulls need a, a, a they they need a point guard um, <clears throat> and they especially need a point guard who can stretch the court and both those guys can certainly do that
0: Yeah, 100%. I mean, if the Pelicans retain their pick, they're a team that traditionally haven't had a wing on their roster for quite some time. That was part of the problem, you know. Through through the AD years, they never had that wing next to him. They still don't have that wing, so it kind of makes sense for them to sort of put in Jarrett Culver onto this team next to Brandon Ingram, next to Lonzo, next to Zion. I think that would be kind of awesome. At the same time, that you mentioned, the Cavs sort of can control the draft too, and they definitely can. That team needs a wing as well, so maybe it's Culver for them or DeAndre Hunter, depending on who is potentially available. So. We're sort of sitting here at a situation where Darius Garland was sort of being plugged in at number four in a lot of mock drafts to the point now where it may be wings going four and five and point guards going six and seven. And obviously the Bulls at seven may have the chance at nabbing one of Darius Garland or Kobe White, White, which like I said, completely changes the outcome of the potential draft ahead, which is kind of sort of nuts to think about because I didn't necessarily think Garland was a possibility for the Bulls. I ultimately depended on... What um, what was going to happen with the Davis the Davis deal itself? But now it it's sort of firming up to be a, a real possibility, which will probably mm. be music to some Bulls fans' ears. I am not necessarily as in on Garland, and to a lesser extent, on, uh, as in on White as some people are. But suddenly, uh, it, it's become a real reality that um, the Bulls may be able to get that point guard that they've been chasing.
1: Yeah, I think there is also another component that the Bulls and virtually every team in the league would need to take into consideration when considering Garland. He's a clutch sport client, yes. And good point. we've seen, yeah, we've seen how those guys are getting moved around like chess pieces. Uh, it's very clear from uh, the SI article, and I'm sorry, I simply forgot who wrote it. Uh, I'm usually I usually remember the others, but um, there was a big feature on 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 SI about uh, Rich Paul. Uh, from clutch boards, and it's it's very apparent that they want to control uh, virtually player movement in the NBA, which is very ambitious uh, and it's not gonna it's not going happen to that extent, but it's certainly something that you need to take into account when you're drafting a player who signed with them so for the bulls specifically, um, they like to have control all, all, you know from 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 within uh, they are not high on external power we know that. So they would maybe even take that into consideration and even go with White over Garland, even if both are still on the board.
0: Yeah, I mean, to your point there about the the whole clutch piece. I mean, Darius Garland is a clutch client. the The Pelicans just got done dealing with Davis, a clutch client. I don't know how, you know, a franchise should never sort of blacklist a particular player that's represented by a certain agent. And I'm not suggesting the Pelicans are doing that, but maybe there will be a less impotence for them to sort of go into Darius Garland here, given what they've sort of just been working with with Rich Paul and Anthony Davis for the last sort of six months or so. So I don't know, that angle itself can sort of change and shift what the the drafts may present for a team like the Pelicans and the Bulls. But I don't know, it's it's, a, it's sort of a fascinating situation. But to me, at least, I would imagine the, the deal that we the speculative deal that everyone was talking about on Bulls Twitter, at least, you know, sending Levine for number four, maybe Lonzo for number seven, that kind of seems like it's not going to happen. It seems like the Pelicans want to retain Lonzo Ball, even though Lonzo himself probably isn't that enamored with staying in New Orleans. But, I don't know. I think I think this trade itself still has a larger impact for the Bulls than what we may have previously considered. At least me personally, I was I was just specifically looking at it from a potential trade point of view. But in terms of what happens on Thursday at the draft, it's it's completely reshaped. It potentially.
1: Yeah. What if you just remove the number four and Levine from the equation, and it's just a simple seven for for Lanza ball swap.
0: Well, I mean, that gets interesting because it depends on what the Pelicans want to do with number four. And it, it seemed like when they were making this this trade for Anthony Davis that they weren't – it appeared, at least based on the reporting, that they were very keen on moving on for number four for a more established player, a young mm-hmm. player. And that's why I guess Levine's name got mentioned by Zach Lowe and a host of others. And that's why we picked it up and run with it. But it kind of depends on what they do with number four, whereas – if, they're, if they trade out number four for that sort of established young guy that they're chasing, maybe then they're more inclined to bring in number seven and have a draft pick to sort of pair with, with Zion from this draft. But if they're wanting to retain Lonzo, maybe they're more inclined to take number four and take number four to the draft. So it's kind of... It really depends on what the Pelicans want to do. I obviously don't know what they want to do. Uh, they've obviously pulled off a, a damn good trade here, in my opinion, at least. But mm-hmm. um, they, they own what will happen on the draft night. They're, they're, they're in complete control right now.
1: For sure. I, I mean, theoretically, if they do the, the ball for seven trade and don't move number four, they could sit there with number one, four, and seven yeah. and have, at the very minimum, four years of team control on three top 10 draft picks
0: exactly that's, so not, that's that's not a huge. bad alternative oh yeah. it's it's great i mean if you can have zion number four and number seven you add brandon ingram to that obviously you've traded out lonzo balls to get number seven but you still got josh josh hart you still got those three potentially more first round picks coming through you still got drew holiday who you can either keep and keep as part of the rebuild which probably would be a sound decision i think i think I think uh, you know you need these vets on a rebuild, but even if you want to move on from him, you can deal him for maybe for a pick or two as well. So they're in a pretty damn good position. And just thinking about it wider as well, I mean, I've, I've often been comparing the Bulls and the Hawks from a rebuilding perspective, but I think now we sort of got to start to add teams like the Mavericks, teams like the Kings, teams like now the Pelicans into the equation as to these younger teams that have sort of been rebuilding over the last sort of two to three years, and where that may be heading, I think the Pelicans all of a sudden it started with landing landing the number one pick in the draft, but now after after trading Anthony Davis, that competition as to which which team is going to be that best rebuilding team, those ramifications change too with this trade.
1: For sure, I mean if you look at the at the Hawks as well, they they made the Allen Crabb trade recently yeah. where they just yep. squeezed out an additional first rounder. I mean both those teams, the Pelicans and the Hawks. Have proven very adept at just squeezing out additional assets. This is partly why there, there's been so much backlash for the Bulls, but in particular, you know, uh, throwing in the sixteen in the butt trade, you know, that can be debated, but selling off the 38th pick it was for Jordan Bell, it, it, it the point wasn't really Jordan Bell specifically, but just no. you know what it represented selling yeah, off a 38th exactly. pick. Yeah. Um so so those type of deals, uh for the Bulls perspective, they need to stop. The, those deals should just not happen, really. And to their credit, they got the two second rounders from Memphis, um, you know, via the Justin Holiday trade, and then moved one of them in the Otto Porter trade, right? If I'm not mistaken, uh,
0: I, I don't remember if they they may have moved the second in the Otto Porter trade. I, I was too too oh. too too, too uh, happy or too busy being happy that they got rid of Bobby Porter <laughs> and Jabari <laughs> Parkers to probably notice what else they may
1: or may not have done in the deal. Yeah, that was I, a good I'll trade. Come back to you. Yeah. Yeah, but but I mean, but yeah, I mean, those. It, it's it's just crucial that you squeeze out assets when you're rebuilding. It's it's just yeah. a fundamental need to build onwards because if you don't have enough assets, you don't really have any trade flexibility. You don't really have the necessary pieces to to build something that's substantial and then try to accumulate assets afterwards. Like consolidation trades are really what makes or breaks an NBA team when they go from being, you know, a a up and comer to being a contender. They they have a lot of young assets and then you need to kind of figure out okay so we have like a lot of b-list players and we need to trade maybe 3 of them for one a-list player. You know th- that's how the bulls need to look at it and it, they are struggling so hard to even find those b-list players. So they just they just can't afford to give up assets. I I think it's wonderful what um, you know, the Hawks and the Pelicans are doing. And the Bulls should absolutely use that as a blueprint for the future. For sure. They don't have a superstar to trade right now though, but... <laughs> no,
0: no. But, but to that point, it really emphasizes the need for the Bulls to sort of land in this draft because they don't necessarily have those additional assets coming through like, like the Hawks do, like obviously the Pelicans do now through the Lakers. So it, it really does put even more pressure on the Bulls coming up on this draft to really to hit a home run essentially whether that's finding that star player or not even necessarily finding that star but even if they bring in a role player guy making sure that player that they bring in is a player that can be a beneficial two-way player for this program that the Bulls are sort of building up here they can't necessarily afford to stuff this pick up obviously they've done some good things with uh, Larry Market, and Wendell Carter Jr. but they still need to hit on this this draft pick and maybe it's become even more important, important for them to do so after what the Pelicans just did which to your point they're at least going to have the opportunity of having two of the first five picks in this draft um, in in itself. So from a rebuilding perspective, you you have to be pretty buoyant um, if you're a Pelicans fan right now, but for teams like the Bulls, like the Hawks, and those other teams in the rebuilding equation as well, seeing a team like the Pelicans make a huge trade like this, which has set them on a really nice rebuilding path all of a sudden, it just makes it even more critical that you sort of nail those moves on the margins, and the Bulls have to really hit on number seven and even to a extent, number 38 in this draft.
1: So that you just said something that was funny, like hitting the margins. I actually wrote a piece on Forbes about the Bulls, specifically about the need of them hitting the margins. So that's quite a coincidence, but I like that, because (laughs) that is very, very much true. That is how you succeed as an NBA franchise. Um, I, I had completely forgotten the Bulls had the 38th pick right now as well. So- that well, is, we're
0: assuming they, we assuming they've got the 30th pick. Let's hope they don't sell it off for something. Yeah, that's that,
1: that's kind of the thing, right? Because the 30th pick, I mean, I don't want to call it a pseudo first rounder, especially in a draft that is this week after the first ten or so picks. Um, they, I mean, the 30th pick in this draft would probably go in the, the late 40s. In like the at th- least last. Are you year saying draft. the 30th or the 38th? The 38th. Yeah. Okay. Sorry. I, yeah. Uh, yeah. 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 Not the 30th. No. Um, but like that, you know, it, you're not gonna get someone who who is is like a pseudo first round talent at that position. But no. you can at least get something. I mean, that that's where you probably swing. I remember you and I had a conversation last year about what the Bulls should do at 22, where I was like, they should swing for the fences. They should go with youth and athleticism and see what they can get, and then they went for a senior. That's fine. <laughs> it is what it is. Um, But the 38th pick here in this draft, like, find someone who is, like, long, athletic, young, and, you know, maybe a better athlete than a basketball player, and then see what that type of player can develop into, because they need someone who can just swing uh, the talent level a little bit. And, and I'm not saying necessarily, like, you know, do a LaMarcus Aldridge retires Thomas 2.0, but just... Find someone who has the ability to become significantly more than what they are right now. And that starts with the athleticism part. That's what I would do at 38th and see what they can do with that. But yeah. Yeah.
0: Yeah, I mean, they can do a lot of things with number 38. I mean, they could play it safe and just bring in a, an experienced guy. They could do exactly what you just sort of noted there. But I, th- I think there is still that potential for a decent player to fall at number 38. And look, the Bulls just yeah. need good players on this roster, irrespective of where they're being drafted, irrespective if the ceiling is low or high, their floor is low or higher. They just need good players right now because they need just to just to accumulate those players. Um be it to, to keep them on the roster as part of the core or to maybe use them as trade assets and pull off a larger deal. I think they just need to be in that acquisition mode where they find good players and they can certainly do that at number 38. And obviously I'm hoping they do do that, but I think that's what makes number seven even more critical in the fact that if they miss out on number seven, it's, it's the rebuild itself sort of just becomes about Zach Levine, Larry Marketing and Wendell Carter. And whilst I think they could build a good core around those three younger guys, if you, It would obviously be significantly more important or more advantageous to add someone really nice at number seven or potentially, I don't know, maybe number four if they, if, if the Bulls are one of those teams that, that are calling the Pelicans now to either trade up for number four or, to your point, trading Lonzo Ball for number seven. So they just need to their, – their next move, which is coming on Thursday, that's the one that they really need to hit on. And I, I'm just fascinated as to how things have changed because it's a completely fluid situation now based on uh, everything that the Pelicans and the Lakers sort of just agree to.
1: Yeah. No, I I totally agree. I I think, I mean, it's essential that we add Otto Porter into that conversation. You know, you just mentioned Levine, Mark, and Carter. Yeah. Uh, He was really freed up in Chicago. Uh, Watching him play, I I think it was just like the, the change of scenery, I think, from a mental perspective did him wonders because, you know, when, when he was in Washington, he was, he wasn't a limited player, but he was used in a limited capacity. You know, he was asked to stand in the corner. He was asked to like be a decoy all the time. He wasn't really playing on ball. They weren't really playing him a whole lot of sets. He was just kind of there and kind of ignored, even though he got paid, you know, significantly. I do believe it was a max now that I think about it. um and, and with the Bulls, it was suddenly like, oh, oh, I have freedom. I can actually, I, I have, I can handle the rock. I can, I can, I can dribble the ball up court and actually initiate the offense. What, what is this sorcery? I've never tried it before, and it's my thinking that that sort of, you know, breakthrough from him is something that he's going to work on a lot this summer. Like, okay, so given that I have the freedom now, I can actually work on my ball handling skills a little bit more. Now, like shooting off the dribble a little bit more, you know, just develop some sort of guard skills, which would be a welcome addition for the current bulls uh i I think he could respond very very well to next
0: season don't get me wrong i mean otto porter is a damn good player so i'm not necessarily Mm. suggesting otherwise but personally i don't consider him a core member of the rebuild because he is 26 he's been in the league for seven or so years six or seven seasons whatever it is and like i said he's 26 in that case uh, i would maybe have to think about drew holiday being a member of the core of the pelicans in that sense because he's only one or two years I think he's 2 years older than Otto Porter Jr so he's 28 Porter's 26 so to me they're almost middle of the middle of the road veterans in terms of age so when I'm thinking rebuilding I'm not necessarily including Drew as part of the Hawks uh, sorry the Pelicans rebuild um because just from an age factor point of view so if I'm if that's the way I'm thinking about the Pelicans or any other team for that matter that has a a guy who's 26 27 28 I, I wouldn't be thinking about it that way. So it's kind of unfair for me to group Otto into that particular part as well. But that's not to say, obviously, that Otto Porter isn't going to be a productive player for the Bulls next season. And then there on beyond, I, he clearly will be. He's a damn good player. But when I'm just thinking fixtures as part of the rebuild, I mean, Wendell Carter is 20 years old when uh, Larry Markner is 22, Zach Levine's just sort of turned 24. They're they're sort of a little bit younger. And as I'm sort of saying this more, Tim Bontamps from ESPN has just reported that the Pelicans will be getting the following picks from the Lakers. Obviously the number four pick in 2019, Uh, a top eight protected pick in 2021, which then becomes an unprotected pick in 2022, an unprotected pick swap in 23, an unprotected first round pick in 24, and an unprotected swap in 2025. Oh my Those picks are going to be insanely valuable going forward. So the Pelicans can either keep them around and and build around Zion that way. They could obviously uh, potentially trade them as well and and add even more pieces to to Zion in the current day, but they've, pro- they've pretty much got the assets that the Pelicans never had for Anthony Davis in terms of building around Davis. All of a sudden, they've got all these assets around Zion. And as Bontemps sort of breaks this sort of news, I'm now worried about the Pelicans as a rebuilding destination. So to my point earlier, this this trade itself, the Bulls aren't directly involved in it, but it has huge ram- ramifications for this team moving forward.
1: I mean, I can't help but wonder this one thing, right? <clears throat> I know that Lakers fans and the media are like, "Oh, this is not going to happen." You know, they gave up so much; he's going to stay. But Rich Paul insisted that Anthony Davis is going to be a free agent in 2020. Yeah. Now, obviously, the plan is he resigns. But you know what? The Lakers thought the same about Dwight Howard. Exactly. Yes. I'm not saying. I mean, until that signature is on the dotted line, I'm not saying that he's going to be there forever. If he leaves after a single season. And the Lakers have given this up. Oh my god. That's that, that we can swear on this podcast, right? Yeah, if if you must, go for it. This, this sounds right. like an opportunity. That's fucking shit balls, man. That is <laughs> that is shit balls. I mean that that is that is the, the most like that could be one of the most lopsided trades in NBA history. Yeah. Assuming, of course, Davis leaves after a year. Well, not I mean, even that. I mean LeBron's thirty-five,
0: right? Anthony Davis he's, he's going to be he, 35 he's younger yeah. too but i mean he's 27 his injury history is it's not the greatest i suppose so you have to have somewhat concern and they're obviously going to be targeting someone like Campbell Walker who again was reported post the Davis trade he's going to be their their main priority in free agency so that core of guys i suppose they don't have any youth around Uh, davis lebron and let's assume kemba comes in kemba's what 29 years old something like that so that's 29 so that team has like a three four year window tops depending on how how lebron's body sort of matures over the next three to four years we saw him obviously go down with injury throughout this season if that's a sign of things to come i mean that could be problematic but even if he is still healthy he's, he's 35 next season start of next season in december so I mean, this is a huge haul for the Pelicans and this is why I'm slightly concerned as a Bulls fan. Obviously, thankfully, the Pelicans are in the West they're not in the East, but this does have ramifications for the Bulls. So uh, I, I really do wonder now if, if the Pelicans and the Bulls are able to strike a deal, whether they get a third team involved, uh, whether Alonzo Ball now becomes a, a Chicago Bull, I don't know, but it's something that both teams need to think about. But maybe, maybe we can wrap up here. Do you think Obviously, we were playing the prediction game. I I didn't necessarily think the trade was going to happen today for Davis, even though I sort of uh, joked about it potentially happening as I was recording my last last podcast. Obviously, 24 hours later, it sort of happened. But do you think the Bulls and Pelicans get involved here in a potential deal, whether it's for number four, number Levine, uh, number Levine, Zach Levine, or number seven for Alonzo Ball? Do you think there's anything that happens here going forward? Or... Do you think the Bulls will sort of retain number seven heading into the draft
1: and just see what sort of falls to them at number seven? I don't think we'll see a deal with Levine yep. and number four. Mm-hmm. Uh, I think there's a greater chance of seeing a Lonzo Ball for seven swap. I think that's going to get discussed. Whether it happens or not, I think depends entirely on who's you know available. Mm-hmm. Uh, just imagine if the draft breaks in, in a different way. And the Pelicans select someone else, like I don't know DeAndre Hunter at four, and then Cleveland gets confused and and selects like Darius Garland, and then everything goes to to haywire, and then boom, you know, you have someone like Jared Culver at seven. Like, (laughs) uh, I I mean, things could really become interesting in this draft. So you could always make an agreement, uh, you know, saying okay, if the if the draft shakes out this or this way, we should have this deal in place. Like yeah. a lot of those deals exist every single season, so why not? Mm. Um, and then just have the backup deals saying, Oh, okay, if Culver's off the board, and you know, you guys are probably gonna take him because you have number four, uh, then Lonzo for seven. How about that? I I don't think that would be a bad way of going for it. I mean look look at look at it from this perspective as well. Wings today, we've seen how valuable wings are in today's league. Imagine if the Pelicans walk away with Sion Williamson, Jared Colbert, and DeAndre Hunter at 1-4-7. They could do that by giving up ball for seven.
0: Yeah, they certainly could. Another thing to think about as well is the Bulls don't have to make a trade before they draft. It could be a conditional trade based on what you just sort of said there, depending on who's sort of available in the trade. And it could be a situation where the Bulls say to the Pelicans, and assuming the Pelicans agree, of course. That they will trade number seven for Lonzo Ball, assuming a point guard isn't on the board, and it then becomes a, a calculus of do you prefer Lonzo Ball over Darius Garland or Kobe White? Obviously, the you know maybe if, if someone like Colville was to fall to seven, that would be ideal too. But it it just seems like the Bulls want a point guard, so I'm, I'm sort of just going to assume that that's the case. They could be they could have a conditional trade in place where if White or Garland is on the board, then maybe the trade for Ball doesn't happen. But if for some reason White and and Garland still go in that top six, then maybe that's when a conditional trade sort of comes into play. So right. I'm going to say that the Bulls hold on to the number seven pick. That's my prediction. They, that's not to say that there's not a chance that they could make a conditional trade, depending on who's who's sort of available at number seven. But it, yeah, the whole the whole draft week now just got a whole
1: lot more interesting. Right, and also I just to wrap this up. There's also the the whole notion of team control. Yeah. So Alonso is up for an extension after next season already. Yeah. He, he has 2 years left on his rookie deal. He deal lands exactly with
0: Larry Marker. So that's kind of neat too. Exactly.
1: Right. So but but if you like have Darius Garland Kobe White available. Yeah, good point. They're on cheap you know team control for four, at least 4 years. Yeah. So that that helps Chicago salary structures you know significantly. So then you kind of have a weight like if you only if you like Lonzo Ball just a smidge better than Darius Garland and Kobe White, then you have to factor in the economics. If you're like, eh, they're about the same, you definitely go with the with the assets that are going to be cheaper for a long time. Yeah, I mean, that's a, that's actually a really
0: good point. Because I mean, for for the Bulls fans that aren't aware, the number seven pick in this draft, assuming the Bulls retain that pick... That pick in its first year, assuming the Bulls at least pay 100% of the rookie scale contract for the number seven pick is in line to make $4.417 million compared to Lonzo Ball, who will be making $8.7 million next season. That number in itself, it's basically doubled. So you have to be pretty in on Lonzo Ball if uh, Kobe White or Darius Garland sort of make their way available at number seven, because you have to be really into Lonzo Ball to be sort of paying double from a cap perspective, yeah. not to mention just as to what you just sort of said, you've got less time on that rookie scale for Alonzo than you would sort of a Darius Garland or a Kobe White. So that's an important factor to think about too. So maybe we should end on that note more because I know it's damn near 5am your time. You must be freaking <laughs> tired, but um, me too. I'm, I'm sort of sick of podcasting this weekend. I want to have a break from this because uh, we're, there's definitely going to be A lot of crazy stuff happening over the week, but I do appreciate you joining me on the cast as you typically always do. Before you go, tell people where they can follow you online.
1: Well, first and foremost, thank you for having me. Again, it's always such a pleasure. Hashtag Dennis Potner for life. Uh, you, You can find me on Twitter at MSJNBA. I have stuff up at Forbes all the time, and I record along with Brian Tuporek, the NBA podcast, which is out like twice a week, roughly. No set dates. We just record when we have time. So, yeah.
0: Yeah, check that out. Obviously, Morton and I have talked about the, the Davis trade from a Bulls perspective, but from a wider NBA general terms, check out the NBA podcast for Morton and Brian's take on the Davis deal itself. Obviously, read Morton and Forbes and follow him on Twitter. But Mort, thanks again, mate.
1: Thank you for having me, Mark. Take care, man.
0: You too. That just about does it for this episode of Bulls HQ. Bulls fans, thank you for tuning in. I appreciate you guys for doing it. Like I said, I didn't expect to be back again this week so soon, but when something like this happens and it sort of not directly but indirectly involves our Chicago Bulls, I have to get on the mic and at least offer up my opinion. We'll be back again after the draft. I say that, but who knows? Maybe I'll be back again a little bit earlier if the Bulls do some sort of crazy trading in, in, uh, in the interim. But until then, follow me on Twitter at MKHoops. Follow the show on Twitter too, at Bulls HQ Pod. Five-star reviews on iTunes. But like I said, I'll be back after the draft. Speak to you then, Bulls fans. <laughs>